Welcome to Founders Field Notes, the podcast where you can learn from founders how to be a founder. I'm Jason Klug, CEO and founder of Klugonics Group and serial entrepreneur. This week, we have a fellow CEO and founder of a B2B service company, Earl Foote, who runs his company, Nexus IT, a IT service and solution business, and he is nationwide. A big inspiration to me, building such a massive B2B service out of Utah, and also fellow podcast host with his podcast, TechBeat, which I hope one day I could be on. On that podcast, he also likes to share fellow stories from other founders to inspire other entrepreneurs to build their dreams. So listen in this week on Earl Foote teaching us entrepreneurs how to always be leveling up. Because the interesting thing, you've been an entrepreneur for 23 years. That's correct. Right? Yes. So yeah. I wanted to like start from the fact that I, you know, when you, when you're an entrepreneur for that long, like people only know you as the Nexus IT guy, for example, right. Or, or, um, your entrepreneurial journey. It's always interesting to look beyond that. Like when you were an employee. So I'd be curious to know what you were doing 25 years ago as Earl. (laughs) Good, good question. Well, first of all, I mean, you know, thank you for having me on. Absolutely, dude. What a privilege. Um, Yeah. um, This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, You know, I, I, uh, as you know, I have a podcast, um, mm-hmm. you know, I have a bit of a, a content game myself. Yeah. Um, it's been you, you, part of the inspiration of me starting a podcast is I saw what it did for you. Awesome. Remember we yeah. talked about that we, over we whiskey. Did. Yes, you we remember? did over whiskey. Yes. We yeah. Did. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was scotch was, actually. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's like you've taken the, the Utah, um, you know, everybody in Utah in the business world knows you because of what you've done on LinkedIn and all the other platforms. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I, what, what, I really dig what you're up to here, Jason, you know, this founder field note idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, founders field note idea. Um, really it's kind of what my content game is, you know, centered around my podcast is centered around, you know, for the past, um, six or eight years, you know, as you said, I've been, um, you know, 23 years, a little over 23 years now, um, you know, uh, as an entrepreneur, started my business at 23 years old. Me too, dude. Yeah. 23 years yeah, old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're way younger than me. Yeah. Well, I got, I'm 10 years in, but yeah, still yeah. 23 years. That's like a sweet spot to start a business. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah. It's definitely, um, you're, you're very flexible. I mean, growth minded mm-hmm. and you know, you don't have a lot of, um, you're not super risk averse, you know, at that mm-hmm. point in life, I think you haven't learned or programmed yourself too much. Um, so, um, you know, I've kind of been on this on this journey, uh, and if if we go back and talk about kind of the whole the whole journey of um, how we started, and then you know how I got to where I'm I'm, I'm at now, mm-hmm. suffice it to say that you know uh, just over ten years ago, my brother and I, so we were co-founders in the business. Um, my brother and I split up the business half half and went our separate ways ten years ago, and I became sole owner operator, you know, founder of, of Nexus IT at that point. Mm-hmm. To that point, you know, I, I'd really, and we've, we've always bootstrapped the business. Um, and I had really worked more in the business than on the business. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, when, when I hit that inflection point of, okay, I am now a solopreneur um, and I've got, you know, a few hired people around me. Um, mm-hmm. At that point, when we split, maybe only three or four employees, um, 
you know, uh, rebuilding basically from the ground up. And what you maybe don't even know is that a, a big part of my journey has been e-commerce as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we actually started the very first, you know, thing that we did was to, was to set up a turnkey, um, network gear e-commerce website in 1998 with an oh, wow. organization called net sales. They had, it was really progressive because they had API integration with um, Ingram Micro and Tech Data. Wow. So you had for 500 bucks, you had millions of SKUs, right? Um, and a website, a turnkey website, you know, up and uh, e-commerce website up and rolling with shopping cart and checkout and the whole deal, right? What I didn't know is how to drive traffic to the thing, right? So we we turned it on and thought, well, we're going to be Bill Gates in a couple months, right? And yeah. then be billionaires. And, you know, a few months later, you're like, where's the it's traffic hard. or the sales, right? Yeah. Um, so, but a big part of my journey was, uh, you know, different lines of e-commerce, um, mostly related, related to technology, but also soccer. I've, I've been a, you know, a big soccer buff most of, most of my life. Wow. Um, so, um, I did have, you know, some soccer brands, um, you know, in a soccer, an online soccer shop as well as mm-hmm. physical soccer, soccer, uh, soccer shops. It's almost like a Shopify play yeah. in a way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Way earlier than Shopify. Right. right? Anyways, at that, when, when my brother and I separated the business, um, I, uh, I did away with most of our lines of e-commerce at that, at that time because they weren't profitable and decided to focus in strictly on the business-to-business, um, mm-hmm. you know, IT consulting and cybersecurity um, services, which, you know, really were kind of the core of what we do and, and where um, we had found significant traction. <laughs> so going all the way back, what I'm telling you is that, um, and I haven't even answered your question yet now that I think about it. Um, what I'm telling you, though, is that it took me a couple of years, you know, to train up some some leaders mm-hmm. and get to a point where I could really work a lot more on the business than in the business. Oh, yeah. Um, and so the last, you know, six or eight years, a big part of my journey has been engaging in the community and engaging in the community has led a lot of people to ask me a lot of questions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and look for connections to resources and answers. So um, that's where, like, uh, you know, I, I started to become inspired to start up my content game and really mm-hmm. um, kind of ramp. And actually, just it dovetails, dovetails really nice into who we are and what we do as a business. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of where I, I got started on this whole journey of producing content that is. Um, that is aimed at helping other founders and leaders progress and go and grow. Right. Mm -hmm. And so all that said, I'm privileged to be here, you know, taking part in, in you, um, having a very similar angle of of sharing the stories of, um, you know, yourself and then other founders, um, going back 25 years ago. I was um, (laughs) Well on that though, like that's exactly like the same, I mean, like you're talking about, you've pivoted a bunch of times. I'm sure you've had hardships and mistakes and stuff. Tons, you've gone through tons. like tough pivot, like decisions of the business, like with your brother and stuff like that stuff's brutal. Yeah. Right. And you know, I've gone through something similar, like in a way, right. Yeah. Recently. And it's like, that's what the whole point of it is, is it's like, I, I saw this graph on LinkedIn speaking of like content. It's one of those like random like images that someone posts. It's like an educational visual of you have like the, the bar that is your book smarts. And then you have the bar with the book smarts and then the experience on top of it. And then you have the book smarts, the experience, and then the mistakes yeah, that yeah. you learn from. Right. And, yeah. and I feel as an entrepreneur, the thing when, especially when it was like really early stages of it, 
you know, I made mistakes myself and I just realized how quickly I learned and meeting with clients and discussing with clients, I'd always talk about the things that I messed up on and whatnot in the past. And so they don't make the same mistake. And then I always learned by talking to various founders, by asking them not about like how things are doing and stuff, but more about like, you know, what hardships have you gone through, you know, or what pivots did you make and stuff like that. And I always feel like you get so much more value out of that. Uh, when building your business, a ton. You, you know, so yeah. And it's just fun to talk about. Yeah, no, massive, <laughs> ma- massive amounts. Uh, this morning actually, um, you know, interesting enough, uh, I was reading an article, um, on entrepreneur.com, mm-hmm. uh, basically and it was a short article, but talking about how, um, success does not favor the brilliant. It's, it favors the bold, right? Mm. Um, absolutely to be successful, you have to learn to level up on the knowledge side, um, and you know, like yourself, I didn't really come from, you know, a hyper-connected, uh, sort of privileged background, right? Mm-hmm. I grew up actually not far from here, mm-hmm. um, you know, on the West side of Salt Lake, um, mm-hmm. you know, son of a, uh, at that time, an electrician, um, you know, ultimately he worked his way to, um, vice president of operations or COO of Wasatch Electric. My dad did, wow. um, knowledge only gets you so far, right? Giving up an aversion, you know, to, to risk, um, and, being comfortable with being, uh, with discomfort, right. Mm -hmm. Being comfortable with stretching yourself all the time, right. And being bold and going after what you, you know, what you're trying to achieve, what you're trying to build as a business. Honestly, I think those are some of the the best potential traits that a, that a, you know, successful entrepreneur can have. Mm -hmm. Um, and it takes time to, you know, if if that's not inherent to you, because there are people that that's inherent to, right. Yeah. To me, it wasn't, um, Mm -hmm. I've, I've always been naturally introverted. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I grew up in a very risk averse family. Um, you know, not to criticize in any way, you know, my parents grew up, um, very much in, in, uh, situations of lack. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that sort of mentality and that programming of course passes, you know, passes down and passes through. Uh, And that's like, as I've taken a, a deeper look at life and, um, success. And, you know, you look at kind of this habitual cycle of people or areas that, that have a hard time kind of breaking out of the shell. Right. And, and, um, really leveling up and going, you know, above and beyond, uh, you know, really it comes down to, um, the programming that, that we receive, Mm-hmm. Um, part of that through DNA, part of it through upbringing, um, mm-hmm. and the different organizations and people that we're in contact with as an entrepreneur, you know, I, I think one of the, the biggest kind of ahas that I've ever had, um, is that, you know, if you're going to create something significant and you're going to try to create success in that, um, you, you yourself have to level up. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what I mean by that is, um, you have to, you, you have to realize and understand you have to, I shouldn't say you have to, in my journey, um, I've, uh, I've found that a keen, um, sense of self-awareness has been really, really key. Yeah. Um, really stripping myself back to the bone, you know, doing some deep work and understanding mm-hmm. who I am what motivates me, why I react and act, you know, mm-hmm. why, um, I may think a certain way and then dig deep into the beliefs that I have, 
why I have those, where they came from, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, what beliefs are, are holding me back mm-hmm. and then doing deep work to get beyond those. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so I do a, that with therapy. <laughs> you know, yeah. I like, I, I, I've learned, especially in the last year I've been doing that and, and, it changes how I react in situations, how, you know, when I am getting outside of my window of tolerance, yeah. I know I'm outside of it yeah. and then, okay, maybe we should ch- ch- table this discussion, you know, stuff like that. And it's been super valuable, but I just, in one year of doing it, I realized that like, it's a never ending game where you're always finding something new because a, a different type of scenario happens. And it's like the way I reacted there was not how I wanted to. Yeah. I, I'm going to talk about this in my next session. And then you talk about it and you find out a new tool to use or a new, uh, you know, way of thinking or processing something. And it's, it's almost been, uh, yeah, I look forward to it every time. Yeah. Yeah. No therapy. Look, I, and whatever form you receive that in, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done therapy. I've done plenty of amount, you know, plenty of coaching and, mm-hmm. and uh, mentorship and, I have a good network of advisors and friends, you know, guys like you that, mm-hmm. you know, we can go grab a bite and a drink, you it's know, fun. and, and mm-hmm. just spitball ideas and, Hey man, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm stuck with this. You know, mm-hmm. do you have any ideas? Have you seen this? You know, what have you done? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, this concept of, of, you know, consistently working on yourself. It, one of the biggest revelations I've had as an entrepreneur is that you are the bottleneck, right? Mm-hmm. And particularly, um, when I was a solopreneur, because uh, I think, you know, I did a, uh, a merger acquisition in August mm-hmm. of 22. It's weird to say 22 now, cause now we're yeah, you know, yeah. just a few days into 23, right? Yeah. But August of 22, I did a, a merger acquisition and those two owners, Eric and Jake joined me, you know, as, as co-founders now as partners, mm-hmm. CRO and COO positions, um, in the company, um, which has been, you know, fantastic. But for a decade, you know, I was a solopreneur and, and when you're in that, sort of scenario, like you 100% are the bottleneck. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know, if your company can't grow and achieve, it is because of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, and that's, you know, having this, um, idea of total ownership and responsibility for outcomes, right. That's another big epiphany I've had in my life. Um, nobody else or nothing else is responsible for, what happens, the experience that I have or the outcomes that I create, it's hundred percent on me. Yeah. And then applying that into a business of, well, if my business is not able to, to get beyond X level, right. If we've hit a ceiling, what do I need to do as founder, as CEO mm-hmm. to change myself, to change my limiting beliefs? Um, you know, uh, what new knowledge do I need? What new skills, what new skills and knowledge do my team, does my team need? Right. And then just this constant, battle for leveling up this constant battle for being bold and going, okay, well, um, change is hard as humans. We are averse to that, you know, like that's Mm -hmm. a fight or flight mechanism to like Mm -hmm. shy away. And so when you get uncomfortable, you get like, um, in fact, for me, I mean, it's, you know, uh, I've had to battle some anxiety in that Mm -hmm. process, right. Have to figure out how to, that's where mindfulness and consciousness and like and meditation it, has been really good for me. It comes in and you don't, you don't realize like, wow, wow, I'm really anxious right now. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have to like recollect Like if yeah. it, you were, you're sitting there at night and your heart rate starts going up and you're like, wow, this is really affecting me more than why? I thought. And you can't sleep. And why, why <laughs> yeah. is it? Yeah. Why is yeah. this happening to me? You know, yeah. um, but it happens. It's it. part of it. As but, a founder, you spend, 
the majority of your time stretching outside your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I mean, if I were to guess it, maybe 90% of your time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if honestly, if you're not spending the majority of your time stretching who you are and stretching your organization, uh, then you're not leveling up. You're not going to grow. You just flatline, right? you know, maybe flatline you're comfortable and, and you have your, the income or the needs that you are looking for, you know, and your team is happy with, you know, it's like, sometimes that is okay. Maybe yeah. someone wants to get to that level and just hold that, you know, until yeah. retirement, you know, or whatever. But yeah, I guess it's just different types of entrepreneurs. Some people like I, I always want more. Yeah. I would, <laughs> I would challenge that slightly. And that's just, uh, what I mean by that is, um, uh, my belief is that a stagnant business is a dying business. Right? Yeah. I'm with you uh, there. Yeah. I, I feel that way. Um, there are those industries, you know, um, that I think are, are more forgiving and you can, mm-hmm. you can hit a plateau and kind of ride it, mm-hmm. um, for, you know, some period of time. Mm-hmm. But in most industries, especially in a modern world, like, you know, um, the market and consumers or your clients, they need you to level up all the time. Right. Yeah. And the pace of it is, is like, when I got started 23 years ago, like you could level up every five years. Yeah. Now it's like every you know six months. You got right. mm-hmm. you got to be leveling up at least. Mm-hmm. You know, with some sort of new capability, new service, new offering. You know, mm-hmm. new. Um, and so, um, you know, innovation uh, obviously drives the marketplace today. And I think that you know businesses and founders who are not looking to constantly innovate, which means innovating themselves as well. Um, honestly, I think you know when you stagnate that curve begins to, to turn down. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for me, that's partially why I'm always hustling, always fighting because, um, I feel like, you know, as long as we're somewhat up and to the right, right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I mean, nobody's journey is this, right. Yeah. Nobody's journey. Or if it is, there's something's going to happen or you're going to, it's like, I mean, all of us are on a roller coaster, but if that roller coaster is, you know, gradually heading up and to the right, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's where, uh, I feel like I'm comfortable because there's progress and I know Mm -hmm. that, you know, we're, we're thriving as a business, um, mm-hmm. even though we deal with challenges, um, you know, day in and day out, which yeah. that's just, it's another thing I think all, you know, all, all budding founders need to understand is that, um, business will throw you for a loop. It oh, is yeah. challenging. Yeah. Um, and, and as soon as you solve one problem, another one's there waiting to jump out of a bush and get you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's unavoidable to that point. Uh, like that's kind of why the theme of the set is the way it is. Cause I think looking back to my childhood, my parents were also pretty, you know, this. This cool, conservative know. like that too, where they, you know, risk averse and stuff like that, where I was always kind of the little, you know, punk rock skater boy. And I actually, like I think back to what made me uh, resilient was skateboarding because you got to think like you want to do a trick. You are falling so many times over and over again and you have to shake it off and get back up and do it over and over and over again. And then you land it and it's like, Oh, that's satisfaction. What's next. And I felt like, you know, and I always, I always look back to the, what I like, learned or what I went through skateboarding to why I could do this every day, you know, and deal with these challenges and, you know, punk rock. Cause you gotta be a little bit of, be a little punk rock to be a founder, a you know, bit anarchist. You, a little you gotta, bit, yeah. you gotta like, you gotta be against you know, the establishment a little bit. So, so I'll keep building on this a bit, but I, yeah. but yeah, that's yeah. kind of where that all comes from. Dude, it took me so long to figure out how to Ollie, but you just keep going, right? <laughs> yeah. I got to read you this thought I saw on social media yesterday that I think is just so um, relevant to what we're talking about here. Your first workout will be bad. Your mm-hmm. first podcast will be bad. 
Your first speech will be bad. Your first video will be bad. Your first anything will be bad, but you can make your hundredth, uh, but you can't make your hundredth without making your first. Mm-hmm. So put your ego aside and start. Don't let fear hold you hostage from the things you want to try and the future that awaits you, right? Yeah, um, it's that's so, great. It's so it's true. true. Like, yeah. And that you just, as an entrepreneur, and I'm, I'm not saying that it's easy, um, it's been a, a struggle and a journey for me yep. to, to get to that point again with, you know, the programming I have in my past um, to get to that point of um, I'm always willing or trying to always be willing to set fear aside, hmm. set, you know, my risk aversion aside and say, okay, um, I'm going to try something new mm-hmm. because we need to figure out how to get to the next level. Yeah. Or I need to figure out how to get to the next level as, a, as an individual, as a person, mm-hmm. right? So, um, yeah, I, I, that, that I saw yesterday and I was kind of like, this is pretty, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. That's what, that's the good thing about LinkedIn is you get those little nuggets of good stuff every so often, yeah. you know, so, and then sometimes there's just BS on mm. it. But yeah. So let, yeah, let, we go back. I, I, I'm just curious where you were at before then. Cause it's similar time frame. I feel like when I was, you know, age 20, well, I worked for Scott Paul before I started my company. Yeah, I remember, yeah. but it was interesting because similar time frame where I got a couple years of professional experience in a in an environment where I was exposed to, you know, an entrepreneur and and pivots and and um, kind of creating a department within a company. So I got like freedom and stuff, um, and then that's when I started my company. So it's, yeah, just curious what, like, and then I remember the day I walked out of my final day going, okay, tomorrow I start. And then sitting down that next morning and being like, okay, here I go. You know what I mean? So it's always interesting to hear back to what that was like for you. Like, what were you doing? And then what was that day one like? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, before I answer that, just, you know, congrats on what you built. I oh, mean, thank you. Uh, yeah. What a, what a great, you know, I got that, I got the tour. Before Bootstrap we, too, we just like you, yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's more fun that way. or die, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, you know, what, a, what a great organization that you built. Thank what you. A great yeah. Venture you built and multiple brands and mm-hmm. kind of multiple different, you know, ventures under one roof. Cool team. Um, yeah. You know, awesome. Digs. Fortunate, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so. so 25 years ago, um, you know, even if I go back a little bit further, I was always a little artistic growing mm-hmm. up. Um, not a little. I mean, I, I painted, I sketched, um, I, I did play music. Um, my parents started me on piano at six. Um, at 12, I convinced them to let me go to drums, um, cool. which they were not very <laughs> my happy My parents with. never let me do that. I was a guitar player for that reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah I didn't switch to guitar until college. So okay. uh, college, I self-taught, you know, myself guitar and, and, mm-hmm. um, and bass and Actually, that first year we started a band, and I would play bass in that band. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've pretty much played bass, you know, um, since. And you know, in bands, play bass. Um, that's kind of my groove. Bass um, is fun. Yeah, dude, it's you my know? jam for sure. I mean, I can still play, you know, rhythm on on a six string or whatever. Mm-hmm. I can noodle a little bit of solos, you know, because the scales are all the same as bass. But mm-hmm. most of the last twenty, man, it's been almost thirty years. You know, has been mm-hmm. on on bass. I, I thought I would be an artist, you know, in my young teens. And my parents, of course, as risk averse people convinced me that, you know, artists don't make any money, mm. um, that that was a bad life decision. Right. Um, mm. and, uh, so I, I, you know, I honed in on architecture. I was like, okay, well I can still draw, I can still be creative. Um, and, um, you know, I, I can have a, a more stable living right that way. So I, I was, you know, I studied architecture actually in high school. I dual matriculated my uh, junior and senior year. So I did a half day at high school, I did a half day at Salt Lake Community College. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. So I got, you know, college credits while I was in high school. Um, thought I would become an architect. 
Um, in my early 20s, I landed a job with an architecture firm that ended up being a, a structural engineering firm. Mm. Um, so more boring. <laughs> yes. Um, and I made probably, you know, a poor decision that also um, led to where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. And that poor decision was um, I decided to give up architecture and go into, into structural engineering, into mm-hmm. civil engineering, um, because I was working for that firm. Uh, so I changed my major in school um, and, um, you know, studied engineering instead of architecture. Uh, worked, you know, actually I... I put myself through, um, through, you know, university, through college, uh, I would work full time. I'd go to school full time at night and carry 18 to 21 credit hours a quarter. Um, wow. and that's um, tough. It was it, well. And on top of that at 23, I was married, hmm. had a kid, mm-hmm. started a business, right? That's um, a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was, but I guess I, you know, I've always been driven mm-hmm. and I didn't know any better. I was stupid. Yep. I was young. I was foolish, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I, I, I took this pivot into civil engineering during school and a little bit after, you know, so about maybe four or five years total, um, I was, I was doing civil engineering work, you know, ultimately kind of decided, okay, this is not like, this is a little bit mundane and boring. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, sitting behind a desk, crunching numbers all day long. And, mm-hmm. and now, you know, funny enough, part of my journey is and where I started to really connect with technology, excuse me, technology and where I'm at now. I was a hobbyist already, you know, I was building gaming systems, you know, building PCs and that kind of stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. um, uh, kind of late teens, early twenties. Literally, I started helping my employers go off the drawing board, the irony of this, right? Going off the drawing board to computer aided drafting systems. Mm. I was setting up client server environments and, you know, um, getting them set up on AutoCAD and Strucad and different things and, you know, and training, you know, their staff on mm-hmm. going from the drawing board, which I had gone into architecture so I could be on the drawing board. And then suddenly I'm behind a computer and crunching numbers and mm-hmm. producing drawings on a computer all day long. And that's where I kind of became disenamored with the, you know, with that um, career decision. Mm-hmm. And at the time, um, the opportunity to, you know, lean into technology, um, presented itself. My brother had graduated from Westminster with a, uh, an IT systems admin degree. Um, and, um, you know, we, we had this harebrained idea of this e-commerce website and then mm-hmm. immediately started having a few organizations ask us to become their contract, you know, system Quite the pivot. administrators. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so, and actually our, our client number one was the Better Business Bureau of Utah. Oh, okay. Um, I remember. You know, we, we, we started, that was kind of our first entrepreneurial epiphany was there's a massive need for SMBs in the market right now, uh, you know, for qualified talent that can help them navigate their original digital transformation. Because literally late 90s, there were companies on paper, right? And mm-hmm. we were helping those companies go from paper to digital records, you mm-hmm. know, client server environments and, and computing environments and all that kind of stuff. Um and, you know, we, we saw a need and a niche in the marketplace and uh, a need we felt like we could fill, you know, better than, than most. Um, and that's where we got started on this journey. You know, the past, you know, 23 years have been, as you mentioned, kind of a roller coaster of testing theses and mm-hmm. ideas and pivoting, you know, um, some e-commerce stuff, some direct to consumer stuff, some, you know, business to business stuff and ultimately, um, you know, really, uh, the past, you know, decade I've focused all of our efforts in on, you know, business to business, IT and cybersecurity services, mm-hmm. managed service, managed security service kind of models. 
Um, we still had e-commerce lines up until um, uh, January 1 of 2018. I completely did away with the, the, the last mm-hmm. of our e-commerce lines. Took another million and a half hit in revenue, um, mm-hmm. you know, and and, uh, and rebuilt back, you know, well beyond that now in the last yeah. um, four years. But, um, yeah. That's a, a tough decision to make, but, I mean. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it if, really is. Yeah. Um, but if you just knew. Yeah, I, was, I, I knew we needed to focus yeah. on our core, and, and you know, again, that that wasn't very profitable for us, mm-hmm. right? The last four years have been really exponential growth for us, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not being divided in our focus and, and getting really focused on um, how are we going to create the right experiences and outcomes for our clients and our people, mm-hmm. um, and what what are the core kind of um, focuses we're going to have in that process, right? Mm-hmm. And so, my entrepreneurial journey has been interesting. You know, it's been twenty three years. Um, but it's been my learning journey. I think has probably been. Um, uh, I feel at times slower than some, right? Um, yeah. You know that that first fourteen years or so with my brother, um, we were just mostly an orga- organic growth kind of company. We mm-hmm. were both quite introverted, um, not working really hard to you know to market and sell the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and candidly, you know, having come from a pretty a background where we we didn't have access to ideas and network and you know we hadn't studied business we never struggled we were always growing and, and mm-hmm. you know together we built a a pretty decent business over 14 years um and of course we had many challenges along the way um you know many many things we had to deal with beginning to lean into knowledge and acumen and, and growth and understanding of a business and how to operate it and how mm-hmm. to um, how to make it grow. Mm-hmm. That's been, you know, more, a, a more recent part of my journey in the last 12 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But you were grinding internally then. Yeah. Yeah. Those I early mean, years. What were yeah. you working on? You were coding websites and stuff or what? Um, no, so mostly, uh, uh, you know, and you know, in those early days, you do anything and everything mm-hmm. that it takes. Right. But, um, so mostly I, I was doing, um, network, you know, infrastructure, cloud design, architecture, um, and then building that out, right. Mm-hmm. Um, for our clients, um, usually, you know, um, turning that over then to support by our team. Right. But, but I was one of those lead, you know, engineers so on the team. Pretty technical self-taught then with an architectural and structural yeah. engineering background to figure out. Yeah. So when, <laughs> when I decided to go into the field, um, I, I didn't have the education, right. But my brother had just graduated, had all of his books, you know, had taken certification. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go back to school. Give me your books. Yeah. Um, I'll learn and, and I'll go, um, I'll go take certifications because, at that point, I think you could, you know, you could go get an MCSE and a mm-hmm. CCNA, um, uh, you know, A plus and all that stuff. The, the you know, the, the the exams were about a hundred bucks a pop. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to go to school; That's you could just go take affordable. The exams. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I would study up the. St- I started with like an A plus, net plus, MCSE, uh, and you know, just um, would study up on on you know on the materials um, on my own time. And mm-hmm. then I'd go take the exam, you know, pass the certification. Wow. Um, and that's hard, you know, establish that knowledge. But then of course, a lot of the knowledge I had already, because again, I was, I was a hobbyist, mm-hmm. um, that was messing around, you know, I was already mm-hmm. building, you know, networks and building systems. And then again, with my employers, I had had to figure a lot of that out because they yeah. were, I was the young kid, mm-hmm. you know, I was working with 40 and 50 year olds, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I was the only person who understood technology. So I was, yeah the kids setting up the client server networks and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah that's how, well, so it was similar when I, cause I dropped out of college 
but the things that I, I did mechanical engineering. Yeah. Um, and the things that I focused and honed in on during college were like the manufacturing technology classes or the drafting and CAD classes. And those are the things that I just love to do. And when I like got the job with Scott, like I was really efficient on CAD and I just focused all of my energy on my CAD skills. And I think I owe it to that. But being an entrepreneur, like you do have to like, if there's a gap you don't have, like you have to be able to dig in and figure it out. And sometimes you feel like I'm a little bit of trial and error, you know, I'm a little bit of working with the professional that can kind of slip me some of the pointers and the information that I pick up on and build from. Um, and I was fortunate where Scott let me basically do that, where I got to CAD stuff up, go to a manufacturer, sit with the engineers at the manufacturing facility, you know, metal fab or plastic injection or whatever, and let them basically get free critiques on my work and why it's bad and good and stuff like that. And it was like, it just accelerated my learning, but it's just like the, the ability to do that and, and like roll your sleeves up and, and dig in it's, I mean, you, you have to, and, and that, that rolls into like things like accounting and, and figuring out a PL and how to read it and assess it and figure out what's good and bad and stuff and balance sheets. And yeah. I mean, that's all stuff that I didn't know five years ago. Right. And eventually I was forced to figure it out, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I'm I talking like about. Like as a, as a founder, you, there's, yeah. there's, you have so many gaps, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you've gone to, to the best school you know, uh, in the country and got, you know, a prestigious M- MBA, mm-hmm. you know, book knowledge and real world application are completely different. So different. Right? Yeah. And so um, I was not a student, a good student. Yeah. <laughs> I was like so bad I at studying. I wasn't a great student. Yeah. I mean, I, I, well, I, I, I did reasonably well because it was required, right? Yeah. Like, I, I would literally get my ass kicked if I didn't, you know, yeah. not, criticizing my, my dad it was different you know, yeah different well, time, my but, parents were but, disappointed uh, in my schooling but they they you know they just as long as i was walking out picking the knowledge up that i was interested in and you know then i guess they weren't i guess they're not too disappointed now yeah yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah c's were not permitted when yeah. I grew up. yeah oh i got was, plenty of c's yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah but uh that's look that is the founder's journey like um mm-hmm being real with yourself that you, mm-hmm. you constantly have gaps. I'm 20, I'm you know, 23 and a half years into my journey. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, I still feel like a baby most days. I yeah. still feel like there are massive amounts of gaps and I'm just real with myself about it. Like mm-hmm. I don't understand or know this yet, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that I'm not going to learn it. Right. Yeah. Um, or you can find key, right? a resource that will fill it so much better than you. Yeah. And then you end up learning from that resource, being a part of the team. That's what, you know, like that's the, especially when you grow and you start having the ability to hire team members and resources and stuff. It's yeah. like, okay, this is a gap that I cannot do. Yeah. Like let's, let's just find the person that can do it way better than I'll ever be able to and let them own it. Totally. And it's like, that's, I mean, that's how you scale, right? Smart founders <laughs> realize they don't need to be the smartest person. In yeah. Room, right. Yeah. Or do it themselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so. certainly those early days of bootstrapping you kind of got to learn to do everything yeah. you can't afford yeah. to hire anybody. You can't even afford mm-hmm. an advisor or a mentor unless they're mm-hmm. you know super gracious, which I've had some oh, yeah. of those angels in my journey who have just, yeah. you know, donated their time and I've had a few of them too. To me, right. Yeah. Uh, and always, you know, having friends again, mm-hmm. you know, uh, peers that you can 
rely on. Um, but um, that's, you know, network is, you know, finding and building the right network has been one of those big epiphanies for me, you know, mm-hmm. um, because again, I didn't, I, I didn't grow up with that built in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not criticizing that, um, you know, but there's, I, I see different paths, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, my dad, you know, while he ended up an executive of, at the time, the largest electrical contractor in Utah, he started at 18 years old as an apprentice electrician, yeah. you know, and worked his way from that all the way to, you know, COO of that company mm-hmm. over a 45 Which is, year career. Yeah, I mean, that's cool company. to watch. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you know, he learned that, that skill of understanding and closing your gaps. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how he was able to continue to level up in his career. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, He's a fighter, you Mm -hmm. know, I come from Irish blood. I mean, Mm -hmm. we're, we're fighters. um, And, um, you know, those are definitely things that I've learned in my journey um, of uh, just constantly, you know, being willing to go to battle. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's hard. There are days where, like you've been beat up, right? Oh yeah. And you're you're demoralized mentally. You're mm-hmm. like, can I can I continue to do this? You're yeah. spent. Um, I feel bad for my wife, you know, when I come home and I've had a day like that. Yeah. <laughs> and she she has to hear it. Yeah. yeah, but it is, you know, it is part of the uh I mean that's what you sign up for. Yeah. 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 So that's um so then ten years ago the big pivot of 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 buying your brother out, you know, what was that like? What, yeah. Like what, you know, was it, is it st- still hard today? Is it, did you guys work through it? What, what was yeah, that good, about? Good question. I actually didn't buy him out. So we split down. Okay. We split wow. assets and everything. Um, you know, uh, I wouldn't say it was a hard process. I think we were both, um, mature, you know, uh, good. Uh, you know, emotionally intelligent people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we continue to, to spouse that, you know, to make sure that we're, we're good as family. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. So, um, yeah, there's been a few awkward, you know, sort of, you know, um, moments and, and, you know, uh, feelings, but I think we're, we're, we're beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, um, over that 14 years together, um, we were kind of just pulling in two different, you know, directions. Um, mm-hmm. we had different visions for what we wanted to create, you know, I've always wanted a very high growth sort of business um, and, you know, continually wanting to, to level up. And my brother wanted a simpler lifestyle kind of business. And there's there's nothing wrong with that, yeah. right? Um, uh, they're just two different choices, right? And and at times I, I you know, I asked myself <laughs> if I made the right choice because, mm-hmm. you know, 10 or 15 years ago, this business was a lot, a lot more simple, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I had a little more balance at times because... Um, uh, you know, it wasn't as all encompassing as it is today. Really, we just kind of came to the the consensus of, Hey, look, we're, we're trying to do two different things. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, you're pulling this way. I'm pulling that way. Why don't we just split everything down the middle clients, assets, um, you know, everything we have split it, you go your way, I go mine. So he runs an IT shop in Heber now. Um, okay. and, um, uh, and so for the past decade, you know, uh, again, I was kind of telling you that, um, almost went back to zero at that in, in revenue, yeah. um, because I to build back up. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. gave up half of the revenue and then did away with a bunch of e-commerce lines mm-hmm. and, you know, did that more, uh, focused pivot into the business to business IT and cyber services. Mm-hmm. 
um, 10 years ago and then rebuilding from the ground up again, bootstrapping mm. again from the ground up, starting mm-hmm. with a couple of employees. And, mm. you know, today we're 65 ish or so mm-hmm. um, right now. Um, so, um, yeah, man, it's, it's been a, it's been a journey. Um, there's Ooh. been plenty of difficulties along the way. Yeah. And, and it's like emotional difficulties. It's, you know, running the business difficulties. I mean, all of it, there's, there's so many it. levels. Yeah. And what was the, the, when you, when you sat down the day after you realized you're, you're, you're basically autonomous at that point, what, what was the first thing you did? What, what did you focus on? Yeah. You know, did you, did you look at everything and get the bird's eye view and dig in? Or did you already know exactly this is the first thing I'm going to focus on and <clears throat> dig in? No, I, I think uh, I, I had to come to a, a pretty abrupt realization of I'm alone in this, mm-hmm. you know, and, and suddenly I don't have somebody there with me to help make decisions mm-hmm. and um, for us to bounce ideas back and forth and try to decide, you know, um, the direction we're going to go and what we're going to do and how we're going to execute, uh, what strategy we want to take, right, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so um, I immediately kind of went, okay, well, um, I have visions of grandeur of what I want to create. Um, there's a massive gap, a massive disparity between where we're at now and where I'm at Mm -hmm. as a founder and where I want to be. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've got to start to level up. And so I, I, I immediately began a very intense journey to obtain knowledge and skill, particularly around, um, around, being a CEO mm-hmm. around running and operating a business around marketing and sale, selling a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, one of my big entrepreneurial epiphanies as well is that, you know, of course, you know, your first priority has to be making sure that your clients and your people have amazing experience and outcomes, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. In a modern world of business, you know, if, if, if you don't focus on that, you're not going to get anywhere. Yep. Um, but beyond that, um, you know, uh, one of those big realizations for me was that we must be a marketing and sales organization first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if I want to create a high growth business, um, then, uh, we absolutely have to create the engines that, that, that you know, that, that provide that. Yep. And so, um, to that point, you know, our marketing and sales had been pretty sporadic, haphazard, not a lot of, um, real, tried and true, you know, knowledge applied to it. Um, mm-hmm. and so I started going to boot camps, you know, I started okay. going to, to executive and leadership boot camps and marketing and sales boot camps mm-hmm. and, um, you know, boot camp, boot camps and peer groups for my industry. And I still do all that. Yeah. Um, um, and so, you know, just this consistent effort to level up on knowledge, capability and skill, you know, skill, mm-hmm. um, and business acumen. Um, and then were you just sustaining through that with your existing clients that you had, your, the team that you had, and then use that to focus inward and sustain. So things were, were still healthy while you're doing that before you really started growing. Yeah. 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 Um, hundred yeah, percent. Um, and that's okay to do, right? Like it's okay to like not have a growth year. You know, I felt yeah. like last year, you know, especially for the manufacturing business was what I did there with, you know, the, the buyout and stuff. It was like, I, I wasn't upset that we only grew 20%. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was like, yeah. it's like, okay, that's okay. Yeah. Let's just let that, you know, like, let, let me focus on the infrastructure and how things are going and, you know, stuff like that. 
and it's okay if we don't grow this year, let's get the, the chassis reworked on and, and stable. And then next year is our growth year. Yeah, yeah. And you know, versus if you're like, go, 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 you never get the chance to take that step back, yeah. like absorb fresh knowledge, you know, you know, get your plan and your thoughts together and then go. Yeah. I got you know? a couple thoughts around that. One is, I mean, I can tell you unequivocally that, if the foundational building blocks are not built correctly, mm-hmm. um, you will have to pause, right? Yep. You'll, yeah. you'll have to pause and get intentional about building out a robust foundation mm-hmm. in order for you to be able to scale and build on top of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've had to do that multiple times in the past 10 years, right? Yeah. And multiple times before that. And it just, um, it's like it happens consistently. It's not something yeah. you do once and, yeah. it, you know, things, pivots happen. You have to rebuild that foundation with the new pivots, implement uh, it, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, and it's not just pivots, it's ceilings too. Like mm-hmm. in, in industries, you, yeah. hit, you hit ceilings and... You know, when you're, let's say it, um, you know, let's say you were a $5 million business, 5 million, you know, a year in revenue business. Mm-hmm. And over two years, you become a $10 million a year business, right? Um, what you need to be at 10 million is totally different than what you need to be at 5 million, right? Mm-hmm. What the market demands of you and your process and your culture mm-hmm. and your systems and all that kind of, it, it's all different, yeah. right? The playbook at 5 million is not the playbook at 10 million. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you, you hit those ceilings and, you know, um, the stretch, the stress fact fractures at times start to leak like sieves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you start to go, Oh shit, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, you do some root cause analysis, you, you step back and you go, okay, let's really get, you know, deep and intentional about what's happening, what's wrong with the business. Mm-hmm. You know, you just realize, look, the business has to level up to be where we're at and to be ready to continue to scale and build on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a very intentional process and, and it's not a one time in my experience in 23 years in my industry. Mm-hmm. And look, I won't pretend that my experience is the same as everybody else's or every industry is the same. Yeah. But I, these themes are pretty typical among most of us as founders, you know, regardless yeah. of what our, what our business is. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to do this multiple times throughout your journey. Yeah. And my other thought here is that, um, you know, uh, most people's view of entrepreneurship from the outside is this sexy venture backed sort of, you know, um, chur- you know, churn and burn ventures and, and burn capital, mm, like I nobody's hate, business, hyper growth <laughs> businesses. Right. Um, yeah. and, um, that, that's kind of where, you know, people have gotten really kind of drawn into, what's attractive about the hustle of a founder. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, part of what we're going through right now is a market correction because that was not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and I was, in fact, a podcast I'd recommend, you know, for you and, um, you know, any, anybody who checks out this pod podcast is all in, um, mm-hmm. I was listening to, you know, several episodes on the way back from California yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, they were specifically talking about this, which I've, uh, you know, being very close to capital providers and networks of capital providers over the last 18 or 24 months, you know, mm-hmm. I've seen the same journey. And that is that, you know, LPs and funds have been beat up so hard on valuations and on, you know, what they're paying for multiples of EBITDA or multiples mm-hmm. of revenue. Um, and they're not getting the returns that they need or want that mm-hmm. are sustainable. Uh, and so, um, you know, we're definitely seeing a, a massive market correction because, um, too much capital has been pumped 
frivolously into too many ventures that are not producing the right outcomes. When when you've got a SaaS company that's valuating at 40x Mm -hmm. rev, right? And that skews what a direct-to-consumer brand feels about what there should be when it's like, no, totally different. Yeah, totally different lines of business. But that's just it. Those fundamentals of business are now being reapplied across the board. And everybody's going, okay, we got to get back to basic fundamental strong unit economics like mm-hmm. you have and it's interesting to see that um you know uh the focus even for investors has gone from primarily um we want hyper growth businesses that mm-hmm. are burning cash right mm-hmm. we just we want to pump them full of steroids and make them grow as fast as possible to boost yeah. that, about, that valuation as soon as possible so we have a three to five year investment cycle mm-hmm. and we sell for multiples of, inve- of investment right yeah um, or they and, go to the next round, yes, <laughs> which I, uh, yeah. I, I hate that mentality yeah, of, yeah. hey, instead of bragging about the success of their company, they're bragging about their, their the round they just did. Yep. Yeah. Like it's not like, yeah. I don't yeah. care about your Series D. Yeah, Let's yeah, yeah. check out your bottom line and raised, your revenue. Yeah, we just <laughs> raised you know, $250 million yeah. Series D. Well, how much like, your congrats. revenue? Oh, How's your operational excellence? It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? it's crazy, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And so everybody's like, look, we want... Everybody to get back to the basics of creating, you know, strong cash flowing businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, good profitability. Uh, yeah. Good so, operations that are smooth and yeah. yeah. It's unfortunate we're seeing mass layoffs, but it's just, you know, yeah. you've got, particularly in the tech sector, but you've got so many businesses that are hyper bloated, right? Mm-hmm. That have inflated um, teams and fiefdoms around, you know, mm-hmm. around managers. Um, unnecessary weight, you know, yep. and, and the reality is those businesses are a lot more resilient and can run significantly more streamlined, mm-hmm. uh, with less people, yeah. unfortunately. But right. When you have the dinner plate that is that big, you know, it, it makes that like, then of course they're going to hire like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, and Dur- Durai is the only company that I've raised money for, but I raised a family and friends round in 2019, for 120 K and that was just enough to get like, uh, you know, some tooling, get a, get a product, a new product to market to expand it and then give us just a little bit of cash to where we can hire a customer service resource without straining ourselves and, and build a runway. And, you know, now that the business has grown and profitable and stuff like that, and we don't necessarily need fund, you know, to raise money, But it's like the the mentality that I had when I raised 120k, where that could be spent in a day. Yeah. You know, if if I go and raise two million dollars, I'm gonna have the same mentality that I did when I raised that 120. Yeah. And if that, I feel like that's the mindset. If more businesses had in venture or fundraising and stuff like that, not only would they they just have a much healthier, stronger, and well built business that's more viable. Yeah. And yeah, acquirable. Totally. Yeah. Um, but they, you know. We would just have better, better companies all around, you know, versus like anybody can go sell themselves into raising 10 million bucks and building a brand with it, you know, but are they buying all their customers at a loss? Are they, you know, like how are their margins? You know, it's, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, it frustrates me. I'm not criticizing (laughs) again, you know, it's just, um, it is what it is, you know, and, and venture has created that themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are some founders that have raised venture capital and used it properly and have sure. built some banger businesses that are healthy, sustainable, and totally. so on, you know, yeah. but, and then there's also some that are just not. Yeah. 
going from, cause I I'm with you. Like and that's just because I think both of us are like, we, we bootstrap pretty hard and have been through like we, we were, required to build healthy businesses to sustain, yeah, yeah. you know, versus if we had big investment, it would change like the survivor sur- survival skills are different, right? In that yeah. scenario. So I think I could yeah. see why both of us have that mentality, which is fair, but you know, which I, I have it to is what it is. because I look around at what you've built, you know, in the time period you've built and, mm. you know, having bootstrapped, um, but you still have, you know, some really great, um, you know, expensive production and prototyping machines, Thank you. a great yeah. warehouse, you know, some really nice 3D <laughs> yeah. printing machines. And yeah. When and you hit like profitability, that. you got to spend that money before the end of the year, you right. know, might as well buy an asset that can, you know, make money later. <laughs> totally. totally. So, yeah. And then being mindful of, you know, you know, if you take an investment, whether that's debt or you crowdsource mm-hmm. something or yeah. friends and family, or you go after, you know, uh, angel venture, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Right. Being mindful of still, you know, building a, a robust business that has strong fundamentals, like yep. that's, I think that's all, you know, super, super important. And actually, I think it's going to be a, a much more significant requirement in the yep. future. Mm-hmm. Um, investors have gotten so beat up over the last, you know, 12 or yep. 15 years. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're going, the, the market's going to correct itself over a few years here. And I don't think they're going to let it go back to, you know, irresponsible administration of money. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so you got to continue to have a grassroots mentality and think about how do I do more with less? How do I get really creative about getting Mm -hmm. exposure, Mm -hmm. you know, getting my brand out there, um, getting recognition, um, and doing it in really creative ways that don't cost a lot of money. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and how do I build great teams that can, that have a culture of, you know, one of our core values, for example, is outwit and outgrit, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Great teams that have good work ethic, um, Mm -hmm. that are um, willing and want to build something, you know, extraordinary Mm -hmm. um, and are willing to outmuscle, you know, the the competition. Uh, Look, strong businesses require strong work ethic. It's just a reality, right? Yeah. Um, and granted, okay, maybe it's partially my, my Protestant mind and kind of, you know, um, upbringing of, you know, that, um, you, you, uh, you reap what you sow, you know, kind of thing. Right. But, yeah. um, but no, that's just, I, I think that's a, a true fundamental of business in most scenarios. You can't work two hours a day uh, and create a really thriving business. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Granted, okay, there's always the exceptions to the rule. There's always somebody who's going to pop out of the woodwork and say, well, I became a, a billionaire working two hours a day. Cool. Good for you. Glad you figured out a, you know, yeah. a, a model. For most of us, and as you mentioned, you know, there's industries where capital isn't prolific, right? S- you know, services. B2B, yep. Yeah, you know, direct-to-consumer mm-hmm. type, of, type of stuff. Mm-hmm. They're not generally sexy plays that get investors involved because, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's not high rates of return yeah. on those liquidity events, you know, mm-hmm. um, and banks are very stringent about, you know, the, the capital, the, the debt that they'll give you to grow. Mm-hmm. You have to have strong fundamentals in the business to land debt, right? Yeah. You got to have a healthy P and L you do, you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, I, I think we're going to see this correction happen in the market where, um, businesses have to get back to, you know, the, those strong basics. Mm-hmm. Um, and those that don't or refuse to, um, are they're, they're unfortunately probably going to, to wither and die, you know, and they're, they're, 
you know, their, their backers are going to pull funding and all yep. that kind of stuff. I, and they're going to have a hard time finding new funding because investors are being way more cautious right now. Yeah. I've had multiple conversations in the last couple of months with a few friends that have always been venture backed and, and mm-hmm. we've had these, you know, kind of haven't come to Jesus meeting, you know, type of talks with them. Of, mm-hmm. You got to, you got to get real about like, uh, I know that, that heroin addiction every 18 months mm-hmm. of I raised a series A, a series B. I know, yeah. I know that's addictive, right? Like th- but, basically having a burn rate in an end yeah. cycle. And if you don't raise yeah. before that, yeah. 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 What's next? You've, you've had a big year. Like you said, <clears throat> when we t- were talking over scotch, we were talking about how you're acquiring, you know, starting to acquire companies. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, you know, another way of growth for your type of business. Yeah. So yeah. what, what has that been like? Because now you're, you're on the other side of at least one of those acquisitions. We've done seven total. So, so yeah. seven is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. That's a lot, yeah. right? What have, what have you learned like from the first acquisition till now? Yeah. I'm sure a lots, lot. Lots and lots <laughs> what of are lessons. the big yeah. takeaways of that? Cause that's yeah. interesting for, uh, 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 you know, something that not everybody's able to even talk about yeah. that experience. So we've done, we've executed seven acquisitions to mm-hmm. date, um, acquisitions or mergers. Some of those, you know, uh, most of them have been very creative deals, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit of, um, cash up front and then, you know, some, uh, some profit sharing mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe a, a partial share swap, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, if you want to bring those people into the, into the entity with you, some of them have just been acquiring a book of business, yeah. you know, um, without any employees or any of the other founders mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, and, uh, so again, we, you know, that has enabled us to grow more along, you know, consistent basis of about a hundred percent per year, you mm-hmm. know, year over year. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm starting to expand that and we, we've done that all here in Utah to this point, mm-hmm. um, starting to expand that, you know, now regionally and nationally and looking yeah. at expanding our footprint, um, so and tapping into a new market with less risk basically, which is makes total sense. Yes. And, you know? and again, knowing that, uh, and we've proven it now over seven of these, knowing that we can generally in year one, um, we can amplify that book of business 80 to hundred, 120% in year yeah. one. Wow. And then we can consistently grow it again at 30 to 35% per mm-hmm. year. Um, and as we, you know, expand the footprint, uh, into other markets, um, which we're already in other markets, mm-hmm. um, but we don't have significant physical presence in those markets, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe have one or two employees. You know, we'll, we'll continue to expand our, our footprint. Um, lessons learned. Um, you know, for me, the very first things that, w- that we have to look at at this point, and most people, when they look at acquisitions, they start looking at the finances, right? right. They start looking yeah. at uh, whether or not, um, you know, the financial picture lines up. And that's, of course, absolutely important. you yeah. got to make sure... Finance and legal and governance, it's like a starting and point, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, compliance, you, you got to figure all that out. The very first things I look at right now are cultural fit and yeah. leadership philosophy fit, right? Especially if you're you're collaborating, you're getting yeah. in bed with them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and our intent is, um, while we've we've acquired a number of books of business in the past, our intent mm-hmm. at this point is to acquire teams, yeah, right? You want the resources that already work well yep. together. And, yeah. yeah. There's five, there's a shortage of 550,000 cyber professionals in the U S right now. I can't hire talent fast enough. So this is partially an AccuHire Makes strategy. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so I need to make sure that, um, 
we fit well together mm-hmm. uh, and you know, cultural integration is challenging. I won't, oh, yeah. I won't sugarcoat it. Like, I, I mean, you I, learn lessons every time I, I'm kind kind of having to do it, but thankfully they're already in the same building. But yeah. when, you know, since the manufacturing business is now part of the rest of my businesses, it's like getting the overlap to be more collaborative and stuff. It's even that is different. So taking a whole other group, whole different city, whatever. Yeah. And I could see it being challenging. Yeah. Cause next IT is a great brand in general. I, it's I recognizable. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, you know, and it's, uh, we've worked hard again, you know, mm-hmm. a decade or so ago is, is I have this epiphany of, you know, we have to become a, a marketing and sales organization, you know, mm-hmm. a strong marketing and sales organization mm-hmm. today. You know, we are one of the strongest nationwide. Oh yeah. We're not the largest by any stretch of the imagination, not yet. but we are one of the most <laughs> visible um, yeah. and, and people know who we are. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's part of what we're you know leveraging too is saying, hey, look, you know, we realize you hit ceilings. Mm-hmm. We hit them too, you know, mm-hmm. one million, two million, five million. Um, we know how to get beyond those. We know how to help you, right? We know mm-hmm. how to help you dial in your business, stop having so many headaches, yeah. take good care of your clients, take good care of your people. We know how to market and sell your business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's join forces um, and let's build together. Um, but mm-hmm. you have to make sure you're you're very aligned in vision and mission and purpose and mm-hmm. culture for that to work. Otherwise, again, you know, my brother and I were always pulling against each other yeah. and, and that stunted the, the capabilities of the business to grow. Mm-hmm. So those are, you know, that's where I really focus my initial, you know, even three, five, six conversations with a potential, um, you know, a, a potential founder or team that might be joining us mm-hmm. is, are we the right fit for each other? Can we get married? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or, um, are we going to get divorced in, you know, mm-hmm. in, in six months or a year? Mm-hmm. So, um, let's make sure that that's all going to work out. And then let's, you know, dig deeper in, into the, into financial due diligence and legal and compliance and governance yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 And, and then when you're, um, working through all of this stuff, you know, how long does a, a deal like that take? Uh, easily four to six months. Okay. Um, you know, that's uh, pretty quick if you think about yeah, it, right? Yeah. Like that's not too we bad. Did, we did one deal in 30 days, wow. uh, which a book of business that, um, a business wanted to offboard it, you know, as quickly as possible. Okay. And then, so I, I guess the, whoever's being acquired, they could be in a scenario where it's like, you know what, I, I'm ready to pass this on. Yeah. I want my clients to be taken care of. Yep. You know, that, that would obviously make more sense and be yeah. quicker. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but on average and you know, it's typical for some of these to take six to nine months sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you you got to go through the right process. You need to date adequately and figure out if you're the right fit for each other. Um, mm-hmm. Due diligence alone, you know, is easily 45 to 60 days. Yeah. Um, you know, once you once you go under LOI, you know, and, and you're going to dig deep, um, you know, and do a, um, a QV, you know, and, and really understand, you know, mm-hmm. is this is this a, a good you know, portfolio that we want to acquire, mm-hmm. um, that's easily a 45 to 60 day process and yeah. involves, you know, attorneys and involves advisors, you know, financial advisors and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. We've got a lot of good takeaways from this. I feel like we'll be able to sum up into some field notes. What are the, what are the main, you know, top three you would want to leave behind? Yeah, good question. You are the bottleneck to the growth yes. of your organization, right? Mm-hmm. If, whether you have a founding team mm-hmm. or you're a solo founder, you are the bottleneck. Um, and it is on you to close your gaps, right? Yep. Um, or to find the right resources or access to knowledge and, you know, and information 
to close those gaps. Right. Yep. That I think is, is one of, you know, my biggest epiphanies. Um, mm-hmm. Two is that any thriving business must realize and know that you are a marketing and sales organization and mm-hmm. almost first and foremost, right? Yeah. You got to nail your, your client experience, your, your people experience, but you also got to be, you know, one of your top priorities has to be marketing mm-hmm. and sales. And you, you know, as a founder or a, a leader, a senior leader, particularly in that organization, whether you're a hired gun or a founder, right? You got to get over it and realize I'm in sales, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been, you know, because I'm introverted mm-hmm. and I'm an ambivert. I have the you know capability yeah. of stepping out and, and being you know adequately extroverted. Um, but that's been a journey and a, and a bit of a struggle for me to step out of my comfort zone and, mm-hmm. and say, okay, I'm not going to be introverted and I'm going to go build network and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to create opportunity. I've become really good at it. Plenty of trial and error to get you there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And awkward conversations, and awkward I'm sure. conversations, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's been people that, you know, over the years have said, you know, the first time I met you, you know, 12 years ago, you were a little awkward. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't it is what it is. I don't doubt it. You know? Yeah. People think I'm weird all the time, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. 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 I'm a geek. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. Exactly. I can't hide that nerdiness yeah, ever. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, that, that I think is, you know, one of those kind of big epiphanies and lessons and, and, um, maybe the other is just get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, if you are a founder or a leader, your journey to level up never, never ends. Mm-hmm. It's constant. And most days you're going to be out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Many days you're going to get blindsided by things yeah. that you never saw coming, mm-hmm. um, and you just got to get comfortable with, um, I'm consistently going to be under fire and this is going to be a lot to deal with. Um, but I have the capabilities and if I'm willing to open my mind to be growth minded, mm-hmm. um, to have adequate emotional intelligence, um, I can, I can consistently confront those challenges that are presented before me. And I can overcome those, right? Yeah. Um, you you kind of get a little almost numb to it in a way yeah. where it's like, and you realize it because you solve one big problem and then there's another one, yeah. no matter what. Like, yeah. And I mean, it is what it is, but you, you get numb to it where it's like, you know, you have to be able to, I think it's valuable to be able to like take a vacation yeah. and check out completely. Oh, and I, there's a big fire going on, you know, but your, your team's working on it and you know, you have to be able to leave that back at home and check out and give yourself a mental break. And then you come back and then, you know, you're ready to go, you know? And I I think that's like, uh, that's a hard skill set that some entrepreneurs I know don't, can't do. And it's, they never, they never take some of that weight off their shoulders because of it. And it makes it difficult. You know, I've I've struggled with that too, man. It's, Um, it's hard. It's a hard skill to learn and figure out. I'm still figuring it out at times, but yeah, I mean, it's it's easy to run yourself absolutely ragged, especially mm-hmm. in the midst of crisis, mm-hmm. you know, in the midst of um, dealing with significant challenges. Um, the, the best thing you can do is even if it's just a couple of days, mm-hmm. you know, over a long weekend or something, take off a Friday and Monday. Yeah. Get away, mm-hmm. preferably get somewhere where you can turn technology off, right? Yeah. Um, refocus because you come back refreshed. You come back with better ideas to be able to solve the challenges. Mm-hmm. When when you're in the midst of crisis, you got these damn blinders on, and you're running so ragged mm-hmm. um, that it just becomes really difficult 
to put on a different lens yeah. and to begin to solve the, those, those problems in a more constructive way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you need to give your team that luxury as well. Right? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Especially in crisis. They, they, you know, they, they have times where they're running ragged too. And you mm-hmm. need, you know, for them to be able to, you know, continue to, to help you solve and produce and create the right outcomes, you need them to be able to step away mm-hmm. and, and decompress as well. Yeah. Um, and respect that time also. Oh, yeah. Say, hey, mm-hmm. I want you to turn like turn off all your notifications, turn mm-hmm. off your email. We'll call you if there's an emergency that involves you. But mm-hmm. like the reality is, is, you know, in five years, we maybe had to call three people with an emergency that, you know, mm-hmm. where we had to get some information from them. You know, mm-hmm. um, you can usually go without, you know, individuals, even I've had, you know, I've had my own personal bouts as well, you know, that I've had to deal with. I, you know, it's been, let's see now, just over five years ago, I spent four months in and out of the hospital. Yeah, you're talking you to know, me about got that, yeah. really sick. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I, I couldn't work for, mm-hmm. you know, for four months. Uh, my team had to, you know, run the business and, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and I, I went through not long before, my brother and I split the business. I went through a, a marital divorce, right? Mm-hmm. And that was a hard time for me to engage, you know, adequately with the business. Mm-hmm. Um, I was dealing with a lot of, you know, um, family pressures and a lot of difficulties there. And, um, you know, trying to take, you know, uh, uh, really good care of my boys, you mm-hmm. know, being a partial single dad, right, mm-hmm. um, at that time. And, um, you know, them needing a lot of my attention and focus and obviously going through a, a pretty intense grieving cycle of, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, of, of a failed marriage, right? Yeah. Um, so you go through those phases um, where uh, you have challenges and having a good, a good business, a good team who can step up, you know. And also letting them step up. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Like, like just, you know, you know, you kind of have to, you know, jump, you know, or take the time and, and, you know, like you come back, there might be some fires that are left over, but it's like, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. And I also feel like when you take those breaks, you know, it almost, because you check out, you come back and it gives you the ability to like get home at night and check out quicker because your, your brain is able to check out and you remind yourself, this is how I check out. So like you get home at five and you can check out quicker versus I've noticed like when I go long periods of time where I don't do those checkouts, yeah. I get home and I ruminate, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, and so it helps. I feel like with just the, that aspect as the well. Later in the day you work. Yeah. It seems like the more the gears just keep churning. Yeah. Right. And then you're two o'clock in the morning, wide awake in bed yeah. and you just can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, I try to prevent that as much as I can, but sometimes it's just difficult. Yeah. You yeah. know, it doesn't happen all the time, Yeah, but I think this, is, this has been a great chat. This has been awesome. This is good takeaways. I really appreciate the the invitation again. I'm Absolutely, by it. yeah, dude. Uh, I appreciate your your friendship. Uh, Absolutely, you guys still got to try all these fancy bourbons you got and scotches and whiskeys. You know, down, yeah, yeah. So, um, well, to wrap it up, what we do is we have you sign a book, your field notes, and uh, th- yeah, thanks for having us, dude. Find so, us on LinkedIn, so all the cool. YouTube and stuff. We'll post it everywhere, and yeah, this is some good stuff here. Congrats on the podcast and all the success, my Thank friend. you. Great chat with Earl Foote. A lot of amazing takeaways with many years of experience with his 23 years of being an entrepreneur. The first note, which is obviously important, is all about consistently leveling up as an owner and a founder. 
you know, I'm a big believer in that myself. And I can see it whenever I'm not focusing on leveling up. I see sales in the reports flatline. So he's, it's pretty valid. You always have to focus on yourself and look inward. A very important one, which applies all across being an entrepreneur is the aversion to risk. Because obviously starting a new business is extremely risky and starting anything is extremely risky. You have to be of the mindset that the risk is going to be worth it. And without the risk, you'll just never know if the success is there or not. So you have to push that aside and plow through and really just not let the risk get to you. Another important one that I've also seen myself is you have to, you you as the founder and the CEO do determine the success of the company. So when you're limiting yourself or you're not pushing hard, you will flatline. You won't see that growth. You, You become the bottleneck if you're not constantly getting after. And I've seen this myself from previous years and years that I look back and remember either something's going on in my personal life, like having a new kid or the process of buying out a business partner, which, you know, can be a six month ordeal. You can see on reporting the flatline from that. And it's very clear that during that flatline is when I was focused on other things, whether that was outside of work or stressful things in work that prevent you from, you know, pushing things forward. So you have to constantly be pushing to grow and carry that momentum and push that momentum forward. And if you don't, then you will flatline. You can't be lazy as a founder. You have to make things happen to make things grow. Another great point, which I have learned to be important myself is Obviously, taking care of the clients is important in a B2B business. Uh, You know, it's a top priority. But at the end of the day, if you're not focusing on sales and marketing and growth, you know, you'll you'll flatline, you'll start shrinking. And you can only do so much with, you know, a certain number or limited number of clients. But it's always going to be more and more important for growth to add more and more of those clients. And figuring out the, the best rate of growth while still keeping quality control on the service you're providing is a perfect place to be in. And finding that is crucial for a B2B service business that, you know, has some hands-on services or white glove services where you're going to just have to figure out what that slot is and stay in it. And then one of my favorite, because I literally go to Maui in a couple of days is to take breaks. Very important to take breaks and give yourself a mental break. And honestly, you see a lot of value when you step aside and let things go without you. And at the end of the day, when you're sitting there thinking by the pool or whatever on vacation or at the beach, you're probably coming up with ideas that you wouldn't have when you're in the middle of the day by day at your office. So taking breaks is crucial. It prevents burnout and makes it all enjoyable because you know at the end of the day, what are we all working for here? It's not to keep working. It's to enjoy life at a different level. So definitely take some breaks. So that's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening or watching. We hope that these field notes can be of value to you. And don't forget to check us out to help you build your next product and get through all the minefields that you have to go through to bring your product to market. Check us out on all the social media platforms and stay in touch to find out what we're currently working on and what we're working on next.